Hello and welcome back to the Hope Wellness Podcast, you beautiful humans. My name is Marissa. I am your host and I am very excited for today's conversation. I have Lauren on today. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Marissa. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, So Lauren is a fertility wellness specialist. Um, I found her on Instagram and I figured like her sharing her story and a little bit about what she kind of focuses on in the well, well-being wellness space is very interesting and needs to be, I think, spoken about more. So what sparked Lauren's personal journey to wellness coaching uh, was her own experience with the hormonal birth control. And I think most of us listening have probably either been on it or we're still on it or whatever the case might be. Um, And Lauren did develop um, many issues while she was on it and even more so after coming off of it. And I can relate really hard to that too um, after coming off birth control recently. Um, And so this led her to discover that she wanted to help other people heal and to support fertility autonomously, which is amazing. Um, And she's also mentioned that she's struggled with um, like binge eating and dieting and body image as well. So I'm just really excited to have you on and just kind of share a little bit of your story. Um, So yeah, what kind of like led you to this space where you are now and educating other women in their journeys? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, So I think it could, it could be started at two different points. (laughs) Um, Well, definitely my experience with the birth control pill, but I think it really started before is what I'm trying to say. So in college, I went on the vegan diet. I thought it was the right diet for me. I did it for health reasons or environmental reasons as well. Um, But I quickly lost my cycle and um, I developed at like year one and a half to two uh, adult acne, which at that time there weren't that many resources online about it. And, you know, all I was given the options of was just topicals or um, uh, getting on the birth control pill. And I had a friend who was taking the birth control pill for acne very successfully. Uh, So I was like, oh, I'll just try that. Why not? You know, it's, it's all I, the information I had. Um, So I got on the birth control pill. I was on it for about eight years uh, and I developed a bunch of issues on it as well though so I developed subclinical hypothyroidism um, I developed candida an autoimmune condition uh, melasma um, and pre-diabetes <laughs> and um, at, at the tail end of me taking it and, and by the way I never connected the birth control pill with any of these but you know I think we can probably talk about all of these things <laughs> you know in the future um, but uh, I, I started to develop acne at the end tail end of my hormonal birth control pill use. And I was like, why am I taking this medication? And, you know, I never really wanted to take any medications, even, you know, just not inherently. I never wanted to. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to figure out how to get off of this. So it really wasn't any guidance from my doctors. It was just like, are you sure? You know, <laughs> how are you going to? prevent pregnancy then. And um, they didn't really warn me about the sort of health changes I would experience coming off of a synthetic 
uh, hormone pill. So I got off of it and I started experiencing what is coined as post-birth control syndrome by uh, Dr. Jolene Brighton. And after finding her, because I, I was losing my mind, I was going crazy. My hair was falling out like crazy. My acne came back 10 times worse. And um, I had a bunch of other issues. The, the issues that I had were still there. And, um, you know, it was just like, what is going on? I'm like literally falling apart. And um, I went back to my doctors, three different ones, an OBGYN, a dermatologist, and uh, my primary care physician. And they all couldn't offer me anything but additional uh, hormonal pills or getting back on the birth control pill. So I knew I was on my own. Um, and I did research. I found Dr. Julian Brighton's work. Um, and I just started diving into her work and just even more so just like how to recover, heal the gut, balance hormones, all that stuff. And um, I eventually healed myself. And in the process, I healed my asthma as well, which I had been taking a steroid inhaler for for the past 20 years. So I, you know, just through these nutritional and lifestyle changes, I was able to get rid of this, these terrible issues incited by the birth control pill, but also this chronic health issue that I had been dealing with for a long time since I was a child. So I knew that I wanted to help uh, people really use food as medicine, use these nutritional and lifestyle changes to heal. And then I, you know, I could keep going in terms of the path, but I eventually found a lot of passion doing um, not only helping women sort of with their metabolic health, but also with uh, preconception and pregnancy and postpartum. Um, it just became a special time. And I realized how pivotal that preconception period could be to not only the mother's health in terms of how she recovers, her future health, her, you know, reducing risk of complications during pregnancy, but also the child's future health and their child's future health. So two generations after that, um, I was like, what better way to impact the most people than to work on this with women? So that's kind of how I found myself doing what I do today. Wow. That's amazing. That's a really amazing story. Um, yeah, I find with the hormonal birth control pill, like there's just so much information that a lot of us don't know. Like same thing, I kind of picked up uh, Dr. Jolene Brain's book and it just opened up my eyes to so many things. And I think for me, I picked it up because I was, I think I had already gone off the pill and yeah, I was on it for about 10 years too. And I, I never really had like issues I thought of like that I could tell on it. But when I came off of it, I had all these crazy symptoms like terrible acne and gut health issues and all these things. And I was like, oh my God, like, what do I do now? So I think the work you're doing is so important because it's just, yeah, it's not mainstream info, like going to your doctor, they don't really give you a lot to go off of, right? It's kind of just like, what now? Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, unless like they know exactly what's going on or you're like, there's a certain time and place where they can help you, but usually it's too late by that time. <laughs> Things have to have, have to have gotten a certain uh, percentage of bad, basically a certain level of bad before they can help you, which usually involves just medication anyway. So um, it was just really eye-opening.
happening for me. And the first time I had to really take control of my own health. Um, and I've never looked back. Yeah, that's incredible. So in the time that you were healing from that post birth control, like those symptoms, how long would you say it took for you to kind of when you were introducing nutrition or the other maybe like modalities you were using? Like, did it take a long time? Was it frustrating? Was it kind of a roller coaster? Like, what did that kind of look like? Um, yeah, it was definitely frustrating at first, because uh, I threw everything and this was before I even, you know, went through nutrition, wellness, coaching, that kind of thing. I was on my own. I was working in tech and like, just trying to figure it out. I was also living in New York City, like, just, you know, trying to figure things out on my own. So I, uh, I was definitely throwing the kitchen sink at it all at first. Um, and that wasn't working, but I think the most effective thing for me was, um, kind of, I did a little bit of gut healing, my own gut healing protocol untrained. (laughs) And, um, that seemed to be the most effective for me. So I like removed certain foods, um, that, you know, for, for a certain period of time, like three, four to six months, maybe three, four, I'm trying to remember exactly how long, but, um, (laughs) that's what I remember. And then after that, when I started to reintroduce foods, you know, I had better symptoms, um, but that was only part of it. And that really worked the most on my asthma, um, with the hormonal stuff, it was more replenishing, nutrients and uh, reducing stress as much as possible. Um, The most progress I saw was about a year. Uh, And then I will say though, it did take me a year and a half to ovulate again. And so if you're familiar with the female cycle, ovulation is really important for producing progesterone and getting pregnant. And um, you can bleed, you can have a period, but just have an an ovulatory period. Uh, And so I was having those Uh, for about a year and a half until I finally ovulated. And then really everything tried, started to cement in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Amazing. So I think, yeah, it's just important to know that those things take time, right? Cause I think it's kind of scary maybe when you're getting off the pill and you're like, Oh, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ovulating or maybe like you lost your period for a bit. And it just, it's comforting to know like, okay, a year and a half ish, like, okay, just like patience and obviously nourishing yourself. And yeah, I think stress is a big one. A lot of us are just really stressed out. So that's never helping the body. Right. No. Yeah. And I will say it can vary depending on the person. It can vary depending on the type of hormonal birth control used, like an IUD will have potentially different averages in terms of when fertility returns than like uh, an implant or like an injectable or, um, you know, the oral contraceptive. Um, With oral contraceptives, there is, and, and I do like to talk about this a lot because a lot of women come off the birth control pill to then try to get pregnant. And so what creates a lot of disappointment and fear and like just an emotional roller coaster for them is like they don't know that it can take, you know, about 18 months, maybe up upwards of 18 months to have the return of like fertility. Um, and so that can be really disappointing if you know you don't know that you're ovulating and you know you're you're trying at like month six and not getting pregnant. And you like think that there's something wrong with you when in reality, 
you might just need a little bit more time. Of course, there's things you can do to support yourself, um, but like different, there are different timelines for different people. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it's not uncommon. Totally. It's not just like black and white, right? Like there isn't a specific mm-hmm. answer that we can all, all be like, oh, like this will be the timing for you, right? It's just kind of right different. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I know that you are really kind of passionate about preconception care. So what what are some things like whether you're coming off the birth control pill or maybe like someone who's never been on it, like what are some things that you really like to preach or help women kind of focus on in, in that phase yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so yeah, my a lot of my work focuses a lot on preconception just because again, it's like this time is so pivotal in terms of like setting yourself up for not only reducing complications during pregnancy, having a more resilient, uh, faster recovery postpartum, but also setting up your baby's health for success and your baby's baby for success. Um, it's, it's incredible how quickly, so from the moment of conception, all of the stuff that, you know, your, your health basically gets imprinted onto your child. Um, that's, that includes hormonal health, microbiome health, trauma, uh, stress, all the fun stuff, uh, nutritional health, nutritional status. Um, so it all, and and it all matters from the moment of conception and, you know, you can definitely make big changes during pregnancy and postpartum, but it matters and plays a role from the initial moment of conception. So it's, it's super, uh, a super empowering thing to know that because there's so much that you can do to set yourself up for, you know, the optimal outcomes based on whoever you are and everyone's going to be different, but um, it's, it's just a really great, you know, opportunity to set up yourself and your, your future generations and kin for, for health. So in terms of birth control itself, there's a lot of experts that say you should probably wait at least two years to try to conceive because you're going to be depleted. Um, if, you know, many women may be aware and like a lot of conventional voices like to say, everyone knows the birth control pill depletes nutrients. That's not new, but a lot of women still don't know that. And the nutrients that the birth control pill depletes are the very ones that you need for fertility and you need for a healthy baby, like vitamin A, B12, folate. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's really important to replenish um, when coming off the birth control pill, especially if you're trying to conceive, but also in general, um, we want to focus on building up nutrient stores so that we have the proper amounts of nutrients to pass off to baby. There's this myth that, you know, the baby will get everything that it needs. Um, And, you know, if if we have it, it will. But if we don't have it, it's not going to get it. It doesn't come from, you know, it doesn't come from thin air. Uh, So we have to really work on repleting, which is the opposite of depleting and um, replenishing and, you know, doing as purposeful, you know, depending on what your history is. And I I actually talk about this. I have a course that I help guide the timeline in terms of trying to conceive. Um, One easy sort of average to give you is the birth control pill, usually around two years replenishing, um, which kind of makes, you know, 
it makes it so that you're going to have to learn your cycle anyway. You're going to have to learn how to track it anyway if you're going to replenish for two years. So why not start now, then like continue on the birth control pill. But it's also a very personal decision, I will say, and acknowledge that. Um, but, you know, you're going to have to learn it. So hopefully you're an expert by the time you try to conceive. And then um, uh, for just, you know, anyone who doesn't have any like normal, uh, abnormal experiences, which is very rare, um, the the timeline can really vary quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I think it's a hard question to answer because uh, everyone, no one's lived your life in your body. No one's been through the same stressors. No one's taken the same medications or eaten the same diet. So that all plays a role into how much time we should contribute to uh, prepping. But nutrition and replenishing is always something really great that you can do. Um, so focusing on whole nutrient-dense foods, incorporating things like organ meats and bone broth and lots of fruits and vegetables and properly prepared grains and beans and nuts and seeds. Um, these are all things that we can do to increase our nutrient stores that can help reduce pregnancy complications, which, you know, for example, uh, a mineral deficiency could increase the risk of preeclampsia, which is a very dangerous uh, complication, especially in the third trimester, and it usually leads to early induction. Um, so there's that, or another example is, you know, if we don't have enough uh, folate, that could potentially lead to neural tube defects and spina bifida. So uh, that's also devastating for a, a, an infant to experience. Um, so there's twofold, your, you, you know, the nutrition that you're uh, intaking going into pregnancy is going to affect not only your health, but the baby's health too. And, um, or I should say that the reverse, not only baby's health, but your health too. Cause a lot of people only focus on the baby part. Like what does the baby need? But you need so much too during pregnancy. So um, nutrition wise, that's kind of what I would focus on. I could go into individual nutrients if you want to do that. Um, but other sort of tips, I would get a handle on your pelvic floor. Um, there's a lot of women with pelvic floor dysfunction, um, a lot of women with really tight pelvic floors, and that's going to create a lot of pressure. Um, and, you know, it can, it can kind of transition into pregnancy as like lower back pain or things like that. But uh, for delivery, it's especially important because we need to know how to relax our pelvic floor to deliver. And uh, an unrelaxed pelvic floor can lead to um, prolonged delivery. So like, we don't want that, you know, that leads to more risk for exhaustion. And then that leads to more risk for transfer or, you know, C-section, depending on where we're giving birth. So it's really important to uh, figure out how to control and relax our pelvic floor, um, how to breathe properly as well. Um, in, in terms of controlling our pelvic floor and through movements and exercise, uh, because that's also going to play a role in pregnancy in terms of putting pressure on our uterus, but also um, getting through delivery and breathing properly. That's a huge part. Um, I would also say that um, I think, you know, having those really important conversations with your partner now about how you want to raise your children is really important. You don't want to find out 
that you don't agree on something super pivotal, like nine months into pregnancy, <laughs> um, that's going to really stress you out. Um, it's really important to be on the same page and, um, or at least understand where, you know, your differences are and come to sort of a, um, uh, what's the right word that I'm trying to think of? Um, I can't think of it now, but, <laughs> you know, just work it out between yourselves and how you're going to handle it, um, even if your opinions or thoughts are different. Um, and so there's lots you can do there. Um, a sort of uh, maybe more advanced thing that I, I would also guide my students through is detoxification, um, which I'm adding to my course and community Um this next round of updates, but detoxification uh, before pregnancy too can help with hormonal balance. Um, but also, you know, there are certain complications during pregnancy that can kind of come from a sluggish liver, liver or an overburdened liver like cholestasis, cholestasis um, which can make things really complicated as well. Um, I can't believe I forgot this though. The number one thing that we should know before going into pregnancy is getting a handle on our cycle. Um, <laughs> so this is the first thing I should have started with. And um, we need to know what's going on with our cycle. Our, our cycle is not only, you know, when are we fertile, when are we not? It's basically a barometer for our health. And it's going to tell us through our cycle if there's something going on health-wise, um, you know, a, 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 an abnormal cycle and a regular cycle is information. Um, and, you know, we can treat it that way. I like to treat it that way. I don't like to judge myself or put too much pressure on myself if my cycle is telling me something. Um, but it's information that we can act upon. And so if we're not ovulating, if we're not, you know, um, getting, if we have super long cycles, um, if we have irregular cycles, if we're spotting before a period, you know, what is that telling us? Um, and we can make changes to support not only uh, the cycle, but our own health because they go hand in hand. And understanding where your cycle's at is going to be really important because you need to know when to have intercourse. You need to know when to get jiggy if you're trying to make a baby. And if you don't know that, then it's going to be disappointing. And unfortunately, like half of couples still don't know. So getting a handle on your cycle will make things a lot easier too. Um, and I will kind of pause there because I think those are a lot of things that we just talked about. Yeah, those are amazing. Really helpful. Um, and on this, on the note of cycles too, like especially in my world where I speak with a lot of women who are under eating or, you know, they lose their cycle completely. It's so true that that is such an indicator of your health, because obviously like if you're losing that through dieting or overtraining or just stressing your body way out, like it's so clear that like your body doesn't have what it needs to be fully functioning. Right. Yeah. It's, it's information that our cycle our body wants to re basically, you know, our, our like uh, prim primitive primal programming is to reproduce and create more of us, um, even if it's not, you know, our personal uh, and you know goal or motivation. Our body is trying to do that every 
chance it can. And we're on a monthly cycle as, as females. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to try really hard because it wants the human race to continue. Um, so not having that is a huge sign. It's a huge sign that it doesn't feel safe to reproduce. And then, you know, what does that mean? Like, where can we have basically looking at that, how can we make our bodies feel safer to reproduce again? And that can be a bunch of different things, depending on what the irregularity is. Um, but the end goal is to help the body feel safe again. And the loss of a cycle is, you know, there's a progression. I see loss of ovulation, but loss of a cycle is like, okay, we don't even want to get our period. That's not good. So yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's something that, that I hear a lot. And especially just like from my own background, coming from a bodybuilding, like competitive background, like so many women would lose their period, but it, it was almost just like a quote unquote normal thing that we were just accepting. And it wasn't until I really got out of that space where I was like, whoa, this is not, not only not healthy, but it's just very, yeah, like harmful for the long term, I think, when your body is literally like, okay, like we're not actually even functioning the way we should be functioning. So like, what's going on here? I think that's important to be able to um, see that. Um, the one question I did have, or not really question, but just kind of topic around, um, I think would be like uh, body image and just um, especially when we're getting off the pill or when our body is changing through these different phases in our life, do you ever have any um, uh, like helpful mindsets or shifts that we can have around our body image? Because of course, as women, like we're meant to grow and change and evolve and we're not supposed to look like we did in high school, for example. So what what's your kind of like outlook on that? Yeah. And, and you know, that's a great question. I've definitely been somebody that has struggled with body image. Um, it led me to a binge eating and binge exercising disorder. So I have been there <laughs> and it's not easy to get over. But I think where I come back to, especially now, you know, because this is also not only something that women deal with before pregnancy, but after especially, uh, there's a high prevalence of eating disorders with postpartum women because they're trying to uh, get back to their pre-pregnancy body. Uh, you know, there's pressure from bounce back culture and um, it's it's a lot of societal pressure, a lot of external valid validation, um, but so much easier said than done to just get over it than to not. So um, I think if you can look at your body as like not a static thing, like it, your body's always changing. Just think about how much your body changed in the first five years of life, the first 10 years of life, 15, 20, it's literally never been the same ever. So, you know, if we can look at our body and accept that it's an evolving thing, it's not meant to be static. It's supposed to be dynamic and it's supposed to, it's, it's the only thing that we will have forever. And it's the only thing that we need to care for forever. Um, and it's the, it's our home. And, uh, you know, I think just understanding that change is not bad either. Change can mean really good things. Like I get that, you know, it can be difficult to be attached to a previous identity, especially 
if we felt a certain way looking a certain way, but if we can understand that we can retain our same identity, uh, you know, it's our personality, it's how we come into the world and how we are on the, on the inside, which expresses on the outside, um, we will be much better suited to kind of go through these evolutions that we have um, with more understanding and grace um, than trying to, you know, fit a square uh, peg into a round hole, uh, like, and then keep trying to do that incessantly because the definition of insanity is trying to do the same thing over and over again with <laughs> and expecting a different outcome. And so, you know, we have to understand that our body is not a static thing. Our metabolism changes from year to year through different seasons of life, from day to day, literally from week to week in, in our cycle. Um, you know, we have different stressors through different phases of life and seasons of life. We're going to need to support our body through different seasons of life too, like pregnancy. Our, our micronutrients go up. If we plan on breastfeeding, guess what? We need even more than pregnancy. So, you know, just understanding that and, and having that uh, maybe even other goals other than, you know, the sort of physical ones, but if your goal is to breastfeed and your goal is to nourish your baby, that's going to be a much easier thing to eat and accept a little bit of weight gain while you're breastfeeding um, than, you know, to try and uh, burn, burn off as much as possible um, and maybe end up with something like Hashimoto's because you push your body too far. Um, so uh, I know that ho hopefully that kind of provides some perspective Perhaps I could have said some things a little more uh, delicately or a different way, but um, I feel like there's no great way to talk about this and there are so many opinions. So um, this is kind of how my brain is navigating this in this exact moment, but um, there's always so much to learn too and from each other too. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you nailed it on the head there. I just think it is a tough conversation to have um, no matter I think what stage of life you're in but I think the more we can just talk openly about like maybe what works for you what helps you get through things I know I've shared my journey and my perspective on a lot of like body image topics but I think you you said a lot of amazing things just in the sense of your body is your home and it's always on your side and it's always doing its best to keep you going and you know, it's, it's doing the best it can, right? So if something's changing, um, there's probably a reason for it. And it's, it's not bad or negative. It's just more like, what does my body need in this moment? Maybe it needs more nourishment or more replenishing or whatever it might be. So thank you so much for sharing that. That was such a good way that you kind of like worded everything, especially around if we are looking to um, literally like create life within our body, like think about how magical that is and it's such a miracle that like we as women can do that do you have any kids Lauren uh no not this time but my husband and I are likely going to try soon <laughs> awesome. well that's very exciting um I loved having you on you are so knowledgeable and amazing um I'm going to put Lauren's Instagram and TikTok handle in the description um, she has so much good content on her platform so go check her out um, and you can always ask us questions if you have any on our Instagrams but yeah I really enjoyed 
having you on, Lauren. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and your knowledge. Oh, thanks so much, Marissa. It was a great conversation. Yeah, totally. Okay, everyone go get nourished, stay nourished and be kind to yourself. Have an amazing day.